This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit like and subscribe, whatever you're listening on. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gird Iron Battle Zone, Brian King, from Steelers Nation South, Rollo Coffin. And we want to welcome back from the Walker Report, Bradley Walker. We are joined by a special guest here tonight. He's a 10-pin bowler. He has put up the Perfecto 329 times. That's what I found. It may be more at this point, but I have 29 times. He has won titles in 21 different countries. He's a two-time PBA Player of the Year, and uh, he, he had the honor of being named to their Hall of Fame, uh, inducted in 2019. But he's so good, he's not just in one Hall of Fame. <laughs> he's also in the, the Finland Bowling Hall of Fame and the World Bowling Hall of Fame. So that should tell you how good he is. He's on every list of the, the top 50 players of all time that I have found. Uh, so we want to welcome Mika Koivanemi. Mika, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. Happy me, guys. Yeah, th this is going to be a, a fun one tonight. We here at Legacy Battle are always trying to expand our sports. And tonight we are going to be talking the greatest men's bowler of all time. And and Mika comes close to making this list. We didn't have him in our in our top four that we chose tonight, but uh, he, he definitely is up there. And um, we'll have a Q&A for him about his career after our debate, of course. And uh, before we start with our first player, we did have one honorable mention who just missed the list tonight, and that was Norm Duke. And if uh, if you ever go on Google and, and you you look at uh, photos of Mika, you'll find a wonderful photo of Mika laying down on the uh, lane uh, when he was playing Norm Duke. So it's a, it's a pretty funny picture. You can check that out on YouTube or, or on Google. So well, let's move into our debate. As I said, it's the greatest men's bowler of all time. And we're going to start out with myself. I haven't started a show in a while. And that's going to be Jason Del Monte. So Jason is an Australian bowler. He's, been on, he's still on the PBA tour. Uh, he's got 31 titles and he's still going strong. He is only 40 years old. Um, so he's got a long way to go here. And if he doesn't win our debate tonight, I, I can understand the argument against him. But I think if we did this maybe in another 10 years, he might hold like all the records that there are. So we'll see how that goes. But um, that 31 titles is seventh all time. And he currently holds the record with 15 major championships. He's one of only two bowlers in history to win the Super Slam. And he's the only three-time winner of the PBA Players Championship. Uh, he's got seven-time player of the year. And the Hall of Fame will come. Uh, he does not qualify yet for that. He's not eligible. Um, uh, you got to have 20 years in, and he quite hasn't hit that mark yet. So, uh, But he is the only player in history with three televised 300 games. Uh, his scoring average has led the PBA five times, and he's been second place three times. And the only time he wasn't top 10 was like his second season, and that and that's it. He's been top 10 every, every year he's played. And, hey, money talks on this show. He's the six-time money leader and fastest in history to one million earnings. So that's that's Jason Belmonte here. So Mika, I, I come to you with Jason. Um, obviously, I I, I want to know what you think of him, but tell me about his two-handed approach uh, style. That that's very interesting. Yeah, uh, Jason was the one of the first with Osku Palerma from Finland who kind of like bring that two-hand style for the bowling. So it's funny story. They are basically the same age. And both of them started about two, three years old, other side of the world, and started throwing two-handed. And they grew up together around the world and compete against each other, I think, in the juniors and youth. 
and then they both came to PPA. I think Oscar was the first one ever, 200 to make a TV show when he made the US Open TV show. And first couple of years, they were pretty eco, but then, then Jason did something and separated himself from Moscow and basically everybody else. So with, I, I know he's not retired yet and he's not eligible for the Hall of Fame, as, as I mentioned here. I mean, can you, can we consider someone the GOAT? This is just in your opinion. Can we consider someone the GOAT if they're still playing? I mean, should we wait to see how it plays out? Uh, I probably like to see how it plays out, but in my opinion, in any sports, the best are best for the reason. doesn't matter what era it is. 60s guys, they were the best because they were the best and they find to be the best. I think the same guys, if they play today, they probably find a way to be the best. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our, our second player. That, Rollo, who you got? I got the Conor McGregor of the PBA, PBA Tour, Peter Weber. <clears throat> um, he first started, you know, his dad was one of the greatest first great golf, uh, bowlers in PBA history. So he got his start at the age of two because he was introduced by his dad. Uh, he actually got on the tour at the age of 17 when at the time uh, bowlers can, can start on the PBA tour at 18. Um, <clears throat> he was rookie of the year in 1980. In 1982, he won his first PBA title. By 24, he had become the youngest bowler in PBA history to win 10 titles. Um, he has 37 career titles, 13 PBA 50 titles, and he has 10 major titles, and five of those were the U.S. Open title, which is the most in PBA history. In 2013, he became the first to win all three jewels of the Triple Crown at least twice. He has 85 perfect, game, perfect games, <clears throat> and but what makes Peter Weber the GOAT is simply because of who he is on, on, the, on the lanes. You never knew what you were getting with him. You know, from him talking trash to the crowd, talking trash to other bowlers, you just never knew what he was getting. He was must-see TV whenever he was bowling. Uh, that that 2012 bowling when he was talking to the 14-year-old in the crowd and when he was done, who do you think you are? I am. I, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes actually used that tweet last year when they won the uh, AFC title game. So that's what makes him stand out and what makes him the GOAT is because – he was musty TV. He made bowling cool on TV. You know, ESPN, ABC, he made it cool. So, Mika, uh, Peter's got that high backswing with the side rotation. Um, you know, how does that affect your shot uh, when you're taking your bowl? And, and tell us your thoughts on Peter. Oh, Pete kind of was like my idol when I was growing up. I know he was a young star in the BBA, and he had the back, high backswing like I did. And when I was on the two, get to know Pete a little bit better. And he has so much talent. He's probably one of the most talented guy ever in the bowling. And he has done so many things in bowling, but I still feel like he could be even better. He could have even better record without his problems at some point. And, and but great, great player and very entertaining. Like Never know what you get from Pete on the lane, but but he was a fair competitor. He he respect other players, and if they beat him, they beat him. And of course, we all get mad. And but 
in the end, he was always fairly there at the Blazers. And he, he had an advantage over everyone here. I mean, his dad is considered one of the you know, all-time greats as well. So, Absolutely. Um, Dick, Dick, Dick was one of them for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's actually harder for an athlete, you know, when you got to follow in your father's footsteps like that. But, you know. For sure. Uh, so let's move on to Brad. I have Earl Anthony. Um, he is an American bowler born in Tacoma, Wisconsin. Um, he was left-handed, uh, which is rare in bowling as it is in the game of golf. I'm a golfer, so I know how rare it is uh, for a lefter, left-handed, especially back when he started bowling. Um, his career began hesitantly when he joined his company's bowling league, the West Coast Grocery League, after serving in the Air Force. Uh, he started his career at age 31 in 1970. He won his first title at the Heidelberg Open on June 7th, 1970. He's won 43 titles and six Player of the Year awards. He, like Dick Weber, had increased the popularity in bowling. He was the first bowler to earn $100,000 in earnings. He, among three bowlers, to reach the 40 title mark. The other two are Walter Ray Williams and Norm Duke. After retiring, he did operate a bowling center in Dublin, California, was a color commentator for ABC. In fact, he's in the PBA Hall of Fame in 1981, got into the ABC Hall of Fame in 1986. In 2000, he was voted the master of the millennium by a wide margin and nationwide conducted by Bowling Magazine. He is the number two greatest athlete in the state of Washington, only behind Utah Jazz's John Stockton. Uh, in his 14-year career, he, had, he made uh, the top five for the televised final round and record 144 times. Uh, he was number one in 2008 when the PBA celebrated 50 years and the 50 greatest bowlers. He was ranked number one. Dick Weber dubbed him the greatest speed control bowler ever. And that is Earl Anthony. Mika, when you go out there bowling and you see a left-hander, what, what are you thinking? No, it's uh, – it's... There's always be some discussion between lefties and righties and what is fair, what is not fair. But great bowlers are great bowlers. And when we talk about Earl and what he did and how quickly he made all his titles and how many shows he made, so so little time. So I think he is the goal in my mind because the time frame he did all that stuff. And plus, we talk about lefties. He won the tournament as a lefty when other lefties were not even near the top of the leaderboard. You kind of mentioned something there at the beginning. So are there bowlers out there who feel lefties do have an advantage in, in some way? Yes, there is. For sure, there is some weeks when lefties have to advance and some weeks they have a disadvantage. Hmm. So we have tournaments where like in top 10 there is nine lefties. And then they have a tournament where it's in one left in top 20 or top 30. And many times that happened to Peter Anthony back in days. Interesting. All right, well, let's move on to our final player tonight. Go ahead, Brian. All right, so we got Walter uh, Ray Williams Jr., nicknamed Deadeye. Uh, it's some very impressive accolades. We're talking 110 perfect 300 games, 47 PGA Tour titles, seven-time uh, PBA Player of the Year, and that's across four different decades. So we're, he, he won it in the 80s and 90s and 2000s, and its most recent was in 2010. So four different decades, uh, winning Player of the Year. 
Uh, he was the male bowler of the decade for the 2000s. And this is particularly impressive because he began the decade at age 40. So when he was given the award at age 50, he was the oldest man to ever win it. Uh, Deadeye actually honed his, uh, his arm pitching skills back in the 70s when he got into competitive horseshoes. Uh, he was dominant winning nine World Horseshoe titles before switching to competitive bowling in 1980. Uh, another interesting thing about Williams is that he, he was always trying new things to develop his game even further. Later in his career, he began using the two-handed shovel method of delivery, and, and he found much success. In 2019, um, he shot a 300 using this type of this type of delivery, and that was at age 60. So Deadeye, he, he earned over $5 million in his pro bowling career. He's been a champion in either horseshoes or bowling across several decades. And to me, he's at the top of the mountain in bowling history. Make a two-sport athlete, uh, does that maybe – does the horseshoes help him at all in bowling, in, in your opinion, and your thoughts on uh, Walter Williams? Uh, Walter A. has won more than anybody else. There's good debate if he could be the best. Uh, all my career, I basically bowl against him, and he, he was a tough guy. He was a tough guy to beat. And his style wasn't the most – Powerful style, anything, but his, I think, eye and eye coordination and the touch, they're better than anybody else. So I guess that horseshoe pitching kind of helped him for that. And, uh, his style is a little bit like throwing the horseshoes, that's what the people who are playing both sports saying. So they, they find the similarities there. But he's one of the toughest guys I ever play against. Well, let's move into our vote. Cannot pick your own as usual tonight. Um, I'm going to start out the voting, and I do want to say this about this. Like, we have hard shows. This one is really just right up there. I mean, you got Brian's guy who leads in the wins all time. My guy leads in the the, uh, the majors. And then you got the millennium man up there for Brad. And then, you know, down there with Rollo, I mean, Peter Weber is just kind of like the, the – the Weber family, that name is just like known all over and, you know, he puts on a show. So I am 100% torn on who to vote for on this one. But I, I, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to go with Peter Weber and, and I'm looking at a full legacy here, not just what's being done pin wise. And, and I think he sticks out just a little more because of that. Uh, Rollo, go ahead. <clears throat> Uh, I got to go with Belmonte simply because, I mean, he just ruled a televised perfect game not too long ago. Um, he's still on top of this game. He's got the most titles, so Belmonte. Brian. Well, I, I got to go with Earl because, um, you know, my guy, Deadeye, he said that the only guy he felt was that was better than him was Earl. So got to give it to him. All right, Brad. I have to say, all the shows I think I've been on with you guys, this has been one of the toughest decisions because all four of them, you know, are, all four of them could be very much voted on. Um, because of the cool saying, I got to go with Peter Weber. I mean, I got to, yeah, I got to go with that, with the, with the, the uh, like, like Roll said, uh, you know, the, the, the bad boy of the PBA. So I'm going to go with that. The Dennis Rodman, yeah. Yep. Mika, we come to you. Who, who would you take as your greatest of all time? I probably would go with the Earl 
because the short period of time, how much he dominated that time. All right, so that's two votes for Peter Weber, one for Del Monte, and two for Earl. So the win goes to Earl Anthony as our our celebrity guest vote counts as a little more in the tie. So it's a win for Brad. Uh, let's move into our Q&A. Brad, you won. You got first question. Go ahead. Mika, uh, you know, I, I have to say bowling is a very interesting sport. I, I, on my podcast, try to cover every sport. I have to ask throughout your career, what have been some of the toughest things about being a bowler? Were, were you heckled at a young age for a sport that really isn't popular? I mean, it used to be on ESPN a lot. It's not much anymore. I know a lot of people say, well, golf and bowling are not really sports. They're just activities. So what, what, how, do you, how do you respond to that, and what were some of the, the things you had to overcome in your career? Uh, for sure, people are saying everywhere that bowling is not a sport, and that's the question we have to answer quite often. And people think it's just a beer-drinking league bowlers, but when we do it for the living, it, it's totally different. You have to be in a good shape, be bowling. In five days, we can bowl 60 games. So we bowl eight, 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 and 16, 16 games in five days in a row. So, and many times those those days, the last five shots means everything. So if you are not strong in physical, your mental gets weaker, and you're not making those shots what's needed. Of course, we don't have to be marathon runners or athletes like that, but we need to have uh, some stamina and, and we need to take care of our bodies uh, it, oh, uh, in the end bowling is the skill sport so you need to learn those skills and still have a have a good physical condition also well, Brian so, me. Mickey you, you've bowled over a couple dozen perfect uh, 300 games during your pro career and, and you've actually bowled a perfect 300 game during the 2003 PBA Cambridge Credit uh, Classic in Connecticut, uh, which was televised, so can, can you describe to us like what is going through a championship bowler's mind when when he or she gets to the eighth, ninth, tenth rounds and is still perfect? Uh, perfect game is not as big deal anymore because we do it so often. Um, I think I did 29 when I was on PBA too, but I think I have like more than 110 tournaments around the world right now but still you still get that feeling in the last shots maybe one or two last shots but especially when you do it in the tv it, it's different thing it's even more pressure but it's like any other pressure shots you need to take care of your pre-shot routine and control your feelings and just let your body do what they need what you have to do Mika, in the 2011 Tournament of Champions, you bowled the biggest uh, televised difference in score in, in uh, the history, but you bowled a 299 in that last bowl. The pin did this. What was your feeling when it didn't fall? Because you laid on the floor, you were like, what was your feeling? Uh, laying the floor was more for the show, I guess. It's It's... I still have a one more match to go, the biggest prize one ever. So in the end, I already won the match. Of course, I wanted to make it 
hundred, three hundred match. That's probably was the biggest thing. What I was thinking that that be so cool. I, I beat somebody by two hundred on TV. Now I only beat him by hundred and ninety nine. But I know all the records are made to broken, but I don't think that will be ever broke. So in your career, you've won uh, three majors, and then you joined the senior tour, and you won another major. Um, you know, is, is there one of those that stick out the most as as being your favorite? I, I mean, it, like in golf and tennis, like the majors always mean a little more than than the regular wins. Absolutely, majors means more, and and they all are all are really meaningful for me. My first title ever was the Masters, so. Winning your first title and being a major, it's a huge. And then the tournament of champions, that was the biggest prize one ever. And it was the big, big tournament. So I ended up winning that. But I still think the US Open, because the US Open is the tournament in BPA. The professional bowling is the tournament everybody wants to win. And I think it's more, most uh, wanted to win. Did it mean more to you when you won it on the senior tour than it did when you won it on the the regular tour? No, senior tour is it's it's not as serious. It's it was nice to win, and I only bowl handful of the senior tournaments, so I don't bowl that. Never bowl it full time. I bowl one or two tournaments, three tournaments a year max. So okay. it was fun. It was fun to be winner of the U.S. Open in seniors and regular tour. I, that's means something for me. Well, one more each, guys. Uh, same order. Go ahead, Brad. Amika, uh, real quick, who who is your favorite to bowl against in, in a tournament? Was there a favorite guy that you – I mean, I know it doesn't go that way. It depends on how, how you guys do. But was there one guy that you look forward to bowling against in a tournament? No, I really didn't have anybody like that. But when I went to TV shows, live TV shows, I always wanted to bowl against lefties. Um, there's always rivalry between lefties and righties and who says that this week favors lefties, this not. And my record against the lefties, my first 12 matches, I went 12 and all. So I came, lefties hated me. So I actually wanted to ball more lefties than anybody else. And I wanted to keep that record going. And there was a couple of funny situations because of that. <clears throat> I, I understand that back when you were in high school, you were involved in several other sports, uh, basketball and hockey and soccer. So what was it that got you to turn to bowling? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, I love to do all the sports with the ball when I was younger. I did a lot of sports, but I think the bowling got to be my main sport. When I end up being in my basketball, my full focus went for the bowling and I ended up being my end my basketball because I was late my first training when I went higher like we have a club sport so I went to a higher club our eighth club and I missed the first first practice there and the coach didn't like that and put me like a second team and I knew I belonged to first team so I kind of give up because of that uh, basketball and put full focus on, on bowling and probably the best move I ever made. 
You were nicknamed Major Mika. <clears throat> Tell them what was your most memorable uh, event that you won or that you came close to? What is your most memorable event uh, on the PBA Tour? Our most memorable for sure is when I lose when I lose for the US Open for Norm Duke. I I leave the ten pin was in the corner and I needed the spare and eight pins for the next shot to win my second US Open. Um, I missed that spare. That's the photo when I'm laying down because I couldn't believe I missed that. So that's like. It's something like my focus for the, was already for the next shot. I didn't even think think the spare shot because I was one of the best spare shooters in my mind. Uh, it didn't even came to my mind that I would miss the spare. But I missed that and then I realized I didn't have a chance to throw that next shot. So it's not a great memory, but it's the most memorable. So you're coaching now, like, tell us what you've, you've taken from your own game and your own experiences and, and use that in your, how you use that in your coaching. And then tell us about your sponsors. Yeah, I'm coaching here in United Arab Emirates. I'm living in Dubai for almost eight years right now. I'm coaching the national team here. And of course, the, all the experience that I have from, from bowling, first being there in Finland player and then moving to US and bowling for PPA and also traveling around the world. I bowl more than 40, 45 different countries myself. So I'm probably one of the most experienced bowlers. So that experience is a big part I can bring for my team and my players. And I probably been almost every possible situation in, in bowling. So I've been winning, I've been losing. I know what it takes to win and I know what happens if you don't take care of certain things and stuff like that. Um, in my mind, I'm really good for the technical part of the coaching part of the bowling. I, I, that's what I really like and love to do that. And my sponsors, I'm still sponsored by two bowling companies, uh, Turbo Crips, that are inserts for the bowling balls, and then Compass Sportsfair, what is the those beautiful looking jerseys for the bowlers were one of the companies and actually owned owned by Walter Ray Williams and his wife Fancy. Fantastic. Well, Mika, I, I personally want to thank you. Like I know we're on opposite sides of the planet. So the fact that we were able to work this timing out, I, I really appreciate you coming on and the time you've given us today. Thank you. That this this was really fun for me too. Excellent. I want to remind everybody, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Everyone, thank you for watching. We'll see you all next time. Have a great night.